We're confused. We're Asian. We're Zoomers. Hi guys, I'm Sneha. And I'm Yihong. We're two high schoolers trying to tackle today's sociopolitical issues in the only way we know how. By complaining about it online. Welcome to today's episode. Let's get started. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode. And today we are joined by my friend Annabelle. Annabelle, I want to introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Annabelle. Um, I go to LT and yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I invited Annabelle on today because I know Annabelle is someone who cares a lot about a lot of different social political issues and more importantly, with the rise of Asian hate crimes, a lot. So I was like, oh, she definitely feels strong about the subject. And so, well, today's episode is about anti-Asian hate and the Protect Asian Lives movement. And so before we get into like the specifics about the current uh, political climate and anti-Asian-ness, let's talk a bit about the root causes of anti-Asian sentiment. Well, um, I think it goes back to 1800s industrial era. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you could argue it goes back before that when everyone is threatened by China, but I'm going to start here. Um, So basically in the 1800s, when America was um, industrializing and laying their railroads, Chinese workers were the workers who laid the majority of the railroad tracks. So there was this um, mentality of white superiority because these people were the people like migrant workers. So I think that's where it Mm -hmm. started. And Yihong, if you can continue. Yeah, okay. So yes, that's kind of the origins of anti, at least Chinese and anti-yellow people hate in America. Um, a lot of history textbooks will talk about the caricature of the John Chinaman, which, you know, when you think of, when you think of that caricature, you think of like the bald in the front half of their head with the braid going down their back and they have like, like, you know, the whiskers and their eyes are slits and they're wearing that traditional Chinese clothes. That's actually, um, uh, in American media, they would make that as a joke of how like the Manchurians dressed, which is the dynasty that was controlling China at the time. And it was basically meant to like vilify Chinese people and say, oh, they look like serpents or they look evil and gross. And it was how they fueled that anti-Chinese immigrant hate in the United States. And that's what led to like the Chinese Exclusion Act and the immigration quotas of the 1900s. And so that's kind of the origins of at least modern anti-Asian-ness. And the other one, which is more historical for the Western world, is the fetishization of Asian women. And do you want to talk about this? Okay, yes. So I feel like a lot of the fetishization of Asian women happened, I think, when the U.S. started to insert itself into, like, the world wars, especially World War II. You see um, a bunch of, like, soldiers in, like, China and Japan and while they're there, they they take advantage of the women there, and they sleep with them. And and a lot of those women, they're not even women. They're like they're underage minors. They're they're little girls. And mm-hmm. you and now we still have a bunch of military bases in a bunch of Asian countries, and you still see these same things happening where you have these military men going out looking for like entertainment or whatever and you have Asian I don't want to say the word um uh, prostitution houses 
okay? Mm-hmm. And you have young girls, you know, working there to provide for their family and they're being taken advantage of by these military men. And you see it portrayed in the media too, where I don't know the name of this movie, but there's this movie where this like military guy goes to Asia. He he sleeps with, um, I think it was a Thai girl or a Vietnam or a Viet girl, one of those. Mm-hmm. And he gets her pregnant and he, she thinks they're going to stay together forever, but he leaves her and like breaks her heart and whatnot. And you just see all these stereotypes you know, portrayed in the media and continued on since like World War One and World War Two. Especially with um like the silent like the black and white movies of like the fifties and it's like, oh, there's this like Asian woman who's like seducing the main character and he and she's like making him do all these bad things. Like not only fetishization but also like vilification of them. Like, oh like look at her using her feminine wiles to get the better of this honest Jack. So, yeah. I mean, for sure, after World War II, that whole mentality just bled into, like, popular media. And it was, like, encouraging stuff. Yeah. Um, adding on to what Sneha said, like, the whole um, Asian woman, like, seducing the honest Jack guy. There's actually, like, a name for the stereotype. I think it's called the Dragon Lady, where you have this, you know, like, Asian woman who uses her womanly wiles to like seduce um, like the Western man. But you also have this other Asian girl stereotype where the Asian woman is like small and subservient and obedient and. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, I, I saw like a thing about how the stereotype of Asian woman gets flipped on a dime when it comes to how we want to blame like oh asian women are tempting versus oh asian women are submissive and they like the west kind of just like flips between whenever they need to put the blame on somebody and i think that the fetishization of asian women isn't just like an external thing i think asian people themselves also do it would you agree with that because i'm thinking like confucianism the whole like filial piety the whole like oh women have to serve their husband and asian women like you know how we had the foot wrapping where asian women have to have tiny can't run away from their husbands and because that's considered like attractive to them and so I think everybody is to blame for this stereotype that now has come for Asian women it started with us in Asia doing this in our culture for thousands of years and now the west comes and takes takes advantage of that so I think that everyone has a fair share in that exactly and also to expand on that it's also like this happens in our cultures like there is like evidence of that like Hinduism and stuff like I'm saying from my Indian perspective mm-hmm. and so there is like oh like the woman is like she's like the mother of the house she's like pure or whatever and there is a whole thing and then it's like western culture like demonizes that and then they turn around and do the exact same thing in their own way so mm-hmm. there's that demonization of the Asian culture and then doing the same thing but like bashing everyone involved yeah it's insane and on that topic I guess the next thing is colonialism because every issue in Asia nowadays stems back to European imperialism and I guess it kind of ties into the whole world war situation but I mean the roots of anti-Asianness with that um I guess I can start off with like the opium war 
um, that's kind of when the British and I guess white people start to think that uh, Asians could be easily exploited when they were just drugging us and getting us addicted to opium and poppy seeds. Um, that's when they, I don't even know what point I'm trying to make. That's when they kind of destroyed China. That's the first time they did it. And then that's when China became seen as like the sick man. And then from that point on, it just became exploit, exploit, take advantage of China and everything fell apart from there. Oh, and you know what you see like in a lot of movies that feature like Chinese people or like China, you see like opium dens and mm-hmm. um, like the smoke that's coming out of it. So I just want to add that. But you yeah. still see like the me... stereotypes continued on in media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe and... just think. Oh, you continue. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, also like like the British coming to India and like like oh trade companies, and then that trade companies became oh no we're ruling you like you're Queen Victoria's subjects or whatever, and then it just becomes like tighter and tighter, and then they're like also a result of colonialism is like they're like putting down your um identity they're forcing you to like become a new person and also um bashing like middle eastern like the ottomans and stuff when they did the same thing too so i mean it's just them being hypocrites and trying to take away i mean them i'm gonna say like the british but like it's the mentality has sustained that like you are inferior and you must become me but i will still do all the things you did yeah i think even to this day the the mentality that Asians are like subjects to the European empire continues. And that's kind of why, like even now you see the reaction that the West is having to like Indian and Chinese economies growing so quickly. It's not exactly what they want. And that's probably what's driving fear of Asians even higher because the 1800s when they conquered us, we were at the time, like the pinnacle of human civilization. Like, oh, we were wealthy. We had all, we had this United Kingdom. And then the fact that Europeans are able to conquer us or whatever is to them, it's proof that, oh, we're the dominant race. And so now seeing it flip, seeing Asian countries kind of rise on their own again is definitely what's driving that European fear. Because if one thing we know that the Imperial West always needs to have um, an enemy and it was the USSR and now it's Asia. So. Yeah. And also like with the whole nuclear power thing, like, they're they're terrified of like India and Pakistan both being nuclear powers and like anyone does something they're like shoot and like Korea and like China and stuff like Asians having nuclear powers terrifies them even though the only recorded nuclear act in history was by the U.S. so just Asian countries having power terrifies like Western countries because it's never been like that they've always been like doing their own thing and then like being helpless to European influence. Yeah, and I, I think I saw a European country, or was it the US? There was like a mission. They planted like a, a, an instrument on like K9, the mountain in Pakistan, to like see if India or one of those countries was doing nuclear. K2? K2, not K9. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> I don't know the exact mountain. I know. They, didn't they put like an instrument up there? Nuclear activity going on? Something like that. Yeah, like who are you to spy on a country and what they're doing? Like, if we wanted to monitor nuclear, in, like, testing, the entire U.S. would be covered in instruments. But, yeah. oh well. And then lastly, historically, what's driving this anti-Asian hate is the model minority myth. Who wants to talk about that one? Oh, I'll go. Okay, so, basically, um, in comparison to the other, or, like, to the, so, um, the majority of 
black people and like hispanic people in the u.s like you see the media and white people perpetuate the stereotype that in comparison to black and hispanic people um that asians are incredibly successful and you know college educated get the high paying jobs and i think that goes hand in hand with the stereotype that all asians are great at math which are like the stem majors you have your engineers um doctors you know other high paying jobs and so with that with that what the model minority myth does is it instead of uniting all of the minorities in the u.s it creates tension and hate between us and it doesn't it allows Asians to like take the blame or like bear the brunt of um, like the minority hate from other races because we're like what's the word we're better off quote unquote yeah they perpetuate the state that we're better off and um, it's more like oh shoot what's the word where you I can't even think of the word it's a it's a decoy. That's what mm. that's what I was thinking of. I guess we're kind of like I think like punching bag for all races in the United States. Like when it's when it's us protesting issues in our own community or how we're being treated, white people are saying, "Oh, but you guys are the most economically successful demographic. You guys have the highest median income." But then when it's other minorities saying, "Oh, Asians, you guys don't even have a right to protest. You guys are doing fine too," or like when we speak out. Or how about, how about this, like anti-Asian, the Asian community has a lot of issues when it comes to racism as well. And so we just kind of get punched on all sides. It's yeah, so there's the complacent. resentment from like, oh, sorry, what were you saying? I just said it, so we stay complacent with where we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we don't improve. And it's like the resentment from like lower um, socioeconomic status of other like races, like Latinos and like black people. And they're, like they're projecting their resentment onto us because like oh like y'all are privileged and like y'all are better off than us and y'all have it easy but like we've struggled too and I don't know and it's like we're supposed to be like perfect and like I don't know I feel like there's this thing that if you don't like contribute to society as much as like you're supposed to be like oh you guys are like the model minority like what are you doing like you're not helping like Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense yeah, and it also detracts from all Asians who are not, you know, as well off as we are and are in a lower socioeconomic bracket. Yeah, I mean, there, we did a whole episode about this very early. On. I think it's like our second or third episode we did about model minority. But Asian, the Asian demographic in the United States actually is the most, um, it has the biggest range of income levels. We're the most unequal demographic meaning that we have extremely high performing demographics like indian chinese and filipino and then we have extremely low performing like vietnamese lao because we have refugees but the notion that all asians are high performing and successful it has to do with immigration right i mean we we have an immigration episode that should be coming out soon where sneha talks extensively about how visas and stuff work but the reason why asians are so high performing on the surface is because a lot of i know our parents personally as well a lot of them are coming on visas for skilled workers and people coming for college. So only the smart Asians who are able to get those high paying jobs are able to come here to make the income levels 
which drives up our socioeconomic status. Like Asian countries are still hecka unequal and there's still lots of poor people there. It's just that it so happens that in the US, in order to get here as an Asian, you need to fly over an ocean. Whereas black people, they've already been here. They were dragged here as slaves and now their ancestors are here. For Hispanic people, they're migrating by land, which is a lot easier than flying over an ocean. So the Asian demographic in the United States is not representative of what Asian people are. We don't have biologically higher IQs. Apparently there's people out there who definitely think that Asian people are born with bigger brains or something and that we're, we're lucky off. Um, I didn't do Singapore math all my childhood to say, for someone to tell me <laughs> that I'm just naturally smarter. It's not how, that's not how that works. It's just, I was yeah. raised in an environment where education's important. Yeah, I didn't go to Hawaii after school every single day in elementary school doing extra math and reading packets just for this. Mm-hmm. And it's also like, like, like you said, Ihong, the people who come here from Asian countries are people who have like, work their ass mm-hmm. off to like be eligible for that visa that either the student visa or like the work permit like those people are like when my parents came over they both had master's degrees and they were already working and they came here to continue that work and so it's not like they're lucking out like they were they only got it because they were so qualified mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the U.S. doesn't like immigrants unless they're skilled. And so the Asians that are coming here are the ones who really work their butts off. But I guess transitioning Mm -hmm. in with immigration, now let's talk kind of the modern day causes behind the anti-Asian sentiment. And we couldn't be having this discussion if it wasn't for Mr. Donald Trump himself. (sighs) That makes me so (laughs) mad. Literally at this time, like last year, I had heard the word like, kung flu and so many variations of the same thing i was like it like it doesn't even make sense but it's just perpetrating the same toxic view that like china destroyed the world with covid and i mean that's not true there's a bunch of factors that resulted in the entire world descending into a pandemic but the amount of slurs and just variations on the same it, unoriginal thing just makes me very angry. Yeah. I work at a restaurant and I have been working since June of this year, so like well into the pandemic. And I will say in comparison to my white coworkers, I get the most amount of shit. Wait, can I can I curse yeah. on here? <laughs> it's fine. Okay. I get I get the most amount of shit from customers and like everybody has noticed, all of my managers have noticed, they all say like Annabelle, you always get the worst customers. You always get the craziest customers. And it I don't think it's like you none of them have outright said it's because I'm Asian and none of my customers, all of the like terrible customers have said it's because I'm Asian, but you definitely see um, a difference in how I'm treated by customers than how my white coworkers are treated by customers. Especially when I tell them to put a mask on. Mm. You know, I it's like they it's like they see you and it's like all the media has perpetrated that you are like the scapegoat for it. So they see you and they just all the resentment and their displacement because of the pandemic is coming out on you because that was what was told to them by our dear president. <laughs> Annabelle, I would say I don't think you had the worst customers. I think that your Asianist brought out the worst in the customers. I think what regardless of what customer it was, they hold those racist like sentiments and it was just they saw you and they let it out 
It's true. Yeah. It's like they don't feel comfortable showing the nasty side of them to mm-hmm. my white coworkers because they're the same yeah. race. They they respect each other. They look at them as if they're on the same level. But when they look at me, they don't think that. And they think it's okay to mm-hmm. treat me like that. Yeah. So especially with like um Asian owned businesses. Like I know in those initial few months, there were so many people who were like, Yeah, I'm not gonna get takeout from my usual Thai restaurant because, you know, I don't wanna risk COVID, but that doesn't even make sense. Like a, a Asian owned restaurant isn't higher highly likely to have COVID more than like a white owned restaurant. Like it was just microaggressions and macroaggressions just everywhere. I remember people were bashing Nancy Pelosi for telling everyone to go to their Chinatown and buy Chinese food when this first started in support of Asian businesses because they said it was performative. You know what? I appreciate the performative activism because I think it was really needed because during that time, there was a lot of Chinese businesses that were closing because everyone was too scared to go and shop there. I'm like, you're, mm-hmm. we're not at higher risk of harboring a virus because of our race. And on the topic of Trump, he kept saying China virus, Kung flu, which both are totally inappropriate as president to say. And let it be known that the World Health Organization has released gu- guidelines for naming different pandemics and epidemics back in 2014, that you shouldn't refer to something by their geographic location. So when people use the whole Spanish flu argument, that was in 1918. This is 2020 and 2021. There's no reason we should be saying any of this because no matter what kind of excuse they pull, say we want to make sure we're blaming the correct people or we're putting we're making sure that China's held accountable for causing this pandemic, that is going to lead to people who are ignorant, putting the blame on an entire ethnicity, regardless of what you say. The, the harm's already been done. And Trump constantly saying this, his entire last year of his presidency really kind of just ruined it for everyone, I think. If it hadn't been for that, I think it would have been at least a bit better. But thanks, Trump, for that. Yeah, and it actually, completely deflects you, Trump's... Sorry, you can go. Yeah, you, you kind of brought up Spanish flu. Like, the Spanish flu is only called the Spanish flu because... No one else mm-hmm. was willing to talk about it. Everyone had it, but the Spanish newspapers were the only ones who were like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. we have a virus. I don't know what y'all are doing. So really says a lot about naming. Mm-hmm. Oh, back to what I was saying. Um, the whole Trump calling it the Chinese flu and the Kung flu virus completely deflects from Trump's handling of the COVID response mm-hmm. in the US. And it shifts the blame to China when in reality, um, our COVID response could have been so much faster and so much more effective if Trump just did something instead of ignore it and constantly. Yeah, and I mean, China. it's really ironic because literally in January that year, Trump was in bed with Xi Jinping. He was like suck, kissing up to him saying, wow, he's a great leader. Our economies are doing great because he just, he thought he won the tariff war and that we were gonna have great relations. But then the minute there's a pandemic and Trump can't do his job properly, he flips the switch. And I mean, this is just kind of a continuation of Asian people taking the blame for world events. And the best example, the most recent example since is the Japanese internment camps during World War II. Right, so after Pearl Harbor, there was internment camps of Japanese Americans. And it was not only like Japanese immigrants, it was like third generation Japanese Americans living in the US and they were just rounded up and taken to a camp and basically ostracized and demonized for the war, which had been going on for, what, three years mm-hmm. before? Yeah. So it was just horrific. And it 
and that whole sentiment of, like extended at least 20 years after the last internment camp was closed down so that was probably the main thing of the 20th century and then there was 9-11 afterwards that just destroyed everyone who was brown for the next 10 years until the recession I'm pretty sure during the recession there was some like stupid like anti-Asian talking because like I know during um like the few years after 9-11 people couldn't get like licenses because Mm -hmm. they were brown like it's and it's just horrible because this just repeats over and over again with events that are like like because a terrorist group from wherever like bombed not bombed sorry my bad crashed into the twin towers doesn't mean every person who's brown is horrible and is a jihadist like that doesn't make sense and the whole pearl harbor thing was so bad because it was war like it was gonna happen america wasn't in the war and then they were provoked into war because of the the bombing of pearl harbor but that doesn't mean every japanese american in the u.s fourth generation or whatever i think it was like if you were more than one sixteenth japanese you were um taken to the camp or something right very bad it was so bad so it was this this like not even it's not victim blaming but it's like blaming anyone who even resembles the real perpetrators of the crime and it's just it's been going on for like nearly a hundred years now that we can think back on and it's just horrible because you're blaming innocent people and innocent people are losing their lives i just read a casual article today on and it was like woman with her eyes shot out like why is this so i saw that too yeah it was like it's it's been like destigmatized. It's just I can read an article that says that and just be like, another one. Like it's so bad. We should be outraged at each and every one of these, but it's become normalized, and that's like the most like rage-inducing part of it. And the thing about like the whole internment camp situation is, I remember looking at um, like there was propaganda that the American government was handing out called like how to differentiate a Chinese from a Japanese. I don't think anyone tried. I'm sure there's probably research about this, that it wasn't just Japanese people being interned. They probably took anyone that looked remotely yellow and threw them into a camp. And the thing about that is why didn't they camp German people then? Right? Weren't Germans the, the main perpetrators of World War II? It's not, this isn't about, oh, we don't like the enemies of the war. This is clear and cut racism. And the U.S. government, I would say, brown people are still suffering because of what happened with 9-11. I don't think that the racism has decreased since now, like even in like airport security, if you look remotely Muslim, they'll take you. Yeah, oh, absolutely sure. not. Nothing's changed. Mm-hmm. Anyone with a beard, like sick people have been undergoing this for years now. It's like they come in with their turban and their beard, which by the way, they they can't shave their beard. Like if you were like, it's, I'm pretty sure it's a tenant of their religion. And so they'll come in and they'll get flagged for no reason other than the fact that they have a beard. Mm-hmm. Or women wearing hijabis. Mm-hmm. We could get into the whole stigma behind yeah. hijabis. It's horrible. And I come from like a majority Muslim country. So, I mean, I get to really indulge in the Muslim culture there. So we could talk more about that. But now we see the current with the whole blaming on Corona. And of course, the most recent example would be the shootings in Atlanta. 
which are kind of, I guess it's kind of a culmination of everything we've talked about. It has to do with fetishization. It has to do with coronavirus. It has to do with model minority. And now we have six Asian women dead along with two other victims because of all this hate that has occurred. And I guess we can talk about it now, but I'd like to say I'm so upset that it took a massacre for America to finally reconcile with the fact that we have a huge anti-Asian problem. It's like someone has to die for it to finally be taken seriously and it should not have gotten to this point. Actually, I can't go to say about the Atlanta shooting. And it's like, there was, oh, hang on, give me a second. There were so many like isolated incidents in the past few months and it's like, this didn't come out of nowhere. There have been so many incidents against like elderly people, elderly Asian people yeah. who have been like targeted for literally no discernible reason. So yeah, go ahead, Annabelle. Okay, first, that police officer, I it wasn't even just a police officer. I think it was the captain of that precinct when they released that um, like press conference and they said, oh, the shooter, he's just having a really bad day. No, I have bad days all the time. And not once have I even considered going on a massacre and murdering six people. Also, the fact that they've been hesitant to label it a hate crime is so concerning. They've been saying, oh, it's a sex thing. Well, I saw this video and, okay, first of all, two of the um, massage salons or parlors are like really close to each other. And then the third one is like a 40, 45 minute drive and it's along the highway. And would you map it out? There are several sex shops, um, prostitution houses, and other like pornography stores where that guy could have gone and shot um, for like being temp for being temp for being mm-hmm. a source of temptation. And the fact that he deliberately chose three Asian owned or like majority Asian massage salons. Like, I think that's clearly a hate crime. Like, it was a deliberate choice. And this is in Atlanta, Georgia, right? I'm sure there are a lot of Asian massage salons, but the majority of them are definitely white. Like, the majority of them are definitely owned by white people, frequented by white people, and employed and majority white employees. So I think this was a deliberate choice. I had someone, you know slide up in my dms trying to fight with me about that it's like oh they haven't you know specifically labeled it a hate crime like i don't think we need to wait for the you know police officer who has a history of anti-asian like speech actions and (laughs) purchases i'll explain more about that later (laughs) but like he bought like covid like oh covid kung fu oh yeah yeah, the the t-shirt yeah yeah, yeah. And like, I don't think we need to wait for that, you know, police officer to say it's a hate crime for it to be a hate crime, you know? Yeah. And you try to fight with me about that. And I was not having it. Yeah, I remember seeing like, um, President Biden and Vice President Harris tweeting, like, while the motive is still unknown, and stuff. And I was like, is the motive not clear enough? And I get that that was like, the day after the shooting. But I don't get why when it comes like the the motive doesn't matter like he murdered six people like i could care less if he was in like a religious trance or whatever <laughs> like the motive doesn't matter when like, you killed someone 
And the fact that they were willing to take his word that, oh, this wasn't a race-related thing. This was a sex-related thing. Like, they just took the shooter's word. Like, okay, I'm not going to put, like, fight, fight, fire with fire, but we are very quick to assume motives when it comes to other hate crimes. Like, let's talk about police shootings. Let's talk about, like, anti-Hispanic hate. But when it comes to anti-Asian hate, we're like, was it really an anti-Asian hate crime? Or was it him just on a little, a Christian, having his Christian moment, trying to fight for Jesus and kill these sex workers? And like, again, it speaks to how much we are desensitized to Asian hate, how normalized Asian racism is, and the whole fetishization, right? Like when we, when we heard spa, I, didn't, I saw that he went to different spa parlors and I was like, oh, he killed massagers. And everyone's saying, no, they're sex workers. Why did we assume that spa salon people are sex workers all of a sudden? Like maybe sure some of the victims we found out were sex workers, but why did the media automatically assume, oh, he killed prostitutes, which suddenly makes it a bit more justified. It's still not justified. Like, I, it doesn't matter what his motive, even if it was supposedly a sex thing, wasn't it like, like, it doesn't matter. Even if it is a sex thing, he still murdered six people who were Asian women. And that is not a coincidence. I don't need to be an FBI agent with psychology experience to know that is not a coincidence. Like, it doesn't, it, I could not care less about the motive. Like, while the motive was unclear, it doesn't matter. Motive doesn't have to be clear. The results and are like, clear. And, like, even if we, if it finds out, oh, it was a sex temptation thing, it's so obviously clear that the subconscious motive behind the sex temptation was that he had a thing for Asian women. Going back into history, the whole Asian temptress. Exactly. It all comes back to anti-Asian hate. It's just hate and, like microaggressions that build up to an unconscious bias that make it suddenly okay and it's just a violent cycle Mm -hmm. of misery yeah and so after the atlanta shootings we have the rise of the hashtag i think it was two hashtags there's like protect asian lives and then like stop asian hate yeah and so with that i remember during that time there was a lot of people saying asian lives matter and kind of like commandeering the black lives matter movement and I guess we're talking inner minority, inter-minority conflicts now, but I guess we have to talk about anti-Asianness in the Black community and anti-Blackness in the Asian community. And I think since we're all Asian, we can talk about anti-Blackness at least. I can tell you from personal experience, there's a lot. There definitely is. There are slurs. Like I will, I'm not going to mention them, but they exist. Annabelle, do you want to say something? There's definitely a lot of anti-Blackness in the Asian community, and I think a big part of it is colorism. You see, like, when I was growing up, my mom would always be like, oh, like, you have to put on a lot of sunscreen or else you're going to look like a heron, which just means, like, a Black person in Chinese. And there's this stigma about being of a darker color. And, I mean, a lot of, you know, Black people, they are, you know, people of color, they have darker skin. And... There's just, I don't even know where I'm going with this. It's just, it's not good and it's not right. And it's consistently perpetuated within the Asian community. And you see it passed down all the time from, you know, our parents to to us. And, you know, I think it's kind of hard mm-hmm. to like deprogram that, that hate in your 
but you have to and you have to make a conscious effort too and I think it needs to stop with our generation I think that the problem it really is that does a lot of since our parents are immigrants they came here and they clustered with their own races so they didn't really mingle outside of their own Asian community so they never really interacted with white black Hispanic people and so they just kind of see on the outside they see what the media says and they think oh black people are gangsters black people are thugs stay away from them and so they tell their kids that and so now we have in our head we're programmed oh we have to stay away from them because they're bad and so even now I see people our own generation in Instagram comments like where's the Black Lives Matter people now why aren't they speaking up and like oh it was black people who were punching Asian women, Asian grandmas and Asian grandpas. And I think, I don't know why Asian people are trying to make a point about how it's a specific race attacking Asian people. I think it's everyone against racism. And yes, it's important to acknowledge that, yeah, there's probably a lot of anti-Asianists in the black community. And I can't speak to that myself because I'm not part of that community, but between every minority, thanks to the model minority myth, thanks to what the white, race has kind of told us about what it means to be a minority. Every minority has resentment with each other. And I think now is the time for us to stop thinking that way. It's every minority, every race, even white people, even allies against the hate. And right now, this isn't about why, aren't, why isn't this community joining the Protect Asian Lives movement? Why, why is this person attacking us? It's just, we need to get everyone together. And I think that honestly, it's difficult to have a dialogue about this because I don't think it's, there's ever gonna be a point where we're going to be able to tell these people who hate Asian people to stop. Because if you are punching an Asian grandma, there's no common ground there. I don't know how you tell them, oh, that's wrong. They did that. And if you did that, you have no moral ground. So, yeah, I don't like this race war situation going on. Yeah. And I mean, it was definitely perpetuated by <laughs> the white overlords, if you could say that. Like... <laughs> Like, they try to turn us against each other mm -hmm. when we should be turning against racists. Like, it's not Black people. I mean, I can't talk about that. It's not Asian people versus, like, Hispanic people or whatever. It's not, like, who's a true brown or whatever. Like, no, it's not that. It's us. Like, decency versus hate. Like, like it's so, it's so, so bad. Racism goes so deeply ingrained that we are like against other minorities like exactly. why is that a thing like, I kinda and what that. I also really hated to see was I saw like I saw black people saying oh I'm not gonna help them because Asians didn't help us last summer when it was well I was there I think I'm sure there was tons I know there was lots of Asians who, were, who cared about the movement because the Black Lives Matter movement kind of was a moment for unity for minorities and people of color so I don't think this is supposed to be an activism war or like selective performative activism if you're only choosing which movements to fight for then you're only doing it when it, I think a lot of Asians are doing that now I see lots of Asian people only posting now about like oh, Asian lives racism is bad when they were silent all of last year you can't care about exactly mm -hmm. like if if you're if you're doing that you don't care about like activism you don't care about the the goodness of the human race you just care about yourself and you're an Asian person and you don't want to be seen as not advocating for Asian people. Like that's, that's pretty pathetic. But I think kind of to end off our discussion today, it's important that we reiterate that this, all Asians need to unite in this. I know that even within the Asian community, it's so diverse. It's so big. Asia's the biggest continent. It's difficult for all of us to kind of find a common ground and unite. I know that right now it seems that it's East Asians who are taking 
the most hate and so it's up to east asians to fight for it but i think that you know, like sneha was talking earlier that all of us need to come together south asians southeast asians east asians central asians we're all part of the human race and it's important that we help out any part of the community that's hurting and right now it just so happens that it's east Asian. but we need to put labels aside put and just rally together against the hate yeah like the catalyst to us rallying together shouldn't be all of us being affected like it should be like one person like first of all one person shouldn't even have to get hurt but if one person does it shouldn't be you wait till someone of your group is like hurt like that's not the catalyst that you should be waiting for like we need to unite and we need to do it now before things get worse and and it's not like it's not like a transaction either it's not like oh i care about your race and you know like the hate crimes happening to you know your race so then when it ha- when the same thing happens to me then you care about what's happening to me as well like it should just be for everybody no matter what and you don't have to like prove something first for them to yeah you know, help you out. Yeah. Which I think is something. Isn't, isn't, yeah. isn't purchased or traded. But I think with that being said, I guess that yeah. wraps up our discussion today. Thank you, Annabelle, for coming on and talking with us today. It was really good to hear some Thank insight. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. Thanks for asking. No problem. And again, to everybody, hey, is no bueno. Protect Asian lives. Um, protect our elders. If you see someone harboring anti-Asian sentiment, have a conversation with them before they get violent, I guess. And to all of our Zoomers, don't be a jerk. And yeah, we'll see you in the next episode. Peace out, everyone.